Petersfield's Shine Radio. I'm in the wonderful library here at Beedale School with a Mr Alistair Langlands, who has written a book, and he's going to tell us about that, of all the buildings here at Beedale's, but in particular, I'm interested in the library that I believe was built in 1921. Now, Alistair, first of all, tell me a little bit about your background here at Beedale's. Well, I taught here for about 30 years. That's all about you need to say. And what did you teach? Well, I started off by looking after the, the junior school, Dunhurst, uh, where the children aged 7 to 13, and then I resigned from there after 10 years, and the rest of the time I taught here English in the upper school. And are you still teaching, or are you no, retired? No, no, I've been retired for 25 years. Have you really? Hmm. Tell us all you can about this wonderful library that we're sitting in right now. We're, I'll just explain to our listeners, we're sitting in uh, on the first floor on one of the uh, aisles that run either side of this two-storey building. In one of the reading closets, of which there are several along each aisle either side of the building, and these upper aisles look over the central ground floor area of the library itself. Right. I, I will tell you, we're sitting in a bay in the gallery of the Beedale's Memorial Library. And it is a memorial library because I can look up and see the names in black in every bay. And some of them got puppies attached to them of people who fell during the Great War. And it was an enormous number for a school that had only been going since 1893, that by 1918 so many people had died. And since it's a memorial library, I'll just add that the names here are people who fought for the Allies, let's say, on our side, and for those who are former pupils or teachers who fought on the other side, and they're all remembered here in this bay. And the building is designed by Ernest Jimson. I'll mention his name more than once because his name is worth remembering and worth knowing about. Ernest Jimson was an arts and crafts architect who wished around about 1893 to set up a craft village in the Cotswolds, which he would have managed had the Great War not come and then had he not eventually died in 1919, so thwarted his attempts to have a, a craft village. He's an arts and crafts architect. Uh, that is to say, he was concerned not only with the ground plan of a design and also the elevations, but every aspect of the interior. And Nicholas Pevsner, in his Buildings of England, about 48 volumes, normally never mentions the furniture, because furniture is removable, and uh, it is only uh, concerned with the architecture. But in this case, uniquely, he mentions the furniture too. He mentions it because Ernest Jimson designed every aspect of this building. In fact, where you and I, Alan, are sitting now are in the chairs and table uh, designed by Ernest Jimson. Near the window, the casement windows, and the low seat, which we could very comfortably sit in if we wished. Um, at the moment, I'm looking out of the window, but if I look back inside, I can see that the library is not at all ordinary. It is a timber frame. The brick outside, laid in English bond, is really only a weatherproof uh, skin to keep the weather from the timber-framed structure. And that structure is uh, not copied from, but inspired by uh, an astonishing barn just outside Heathrow Airport, um, called Harmonsworth Barn. 
uh, built in about 1425 for Winchester College. It still stands. It is of such extraordinary complexity and wonder uh, that it's often compared uh, to a Gothic cathedral in its complexity and joy. And this uh, room, when you first come into it, looks like a barn. It uh, looks like a barn which has been made into a library and extraordinarily beautifully. It is made of timber, as uh, one could see if one came to visit it. And most interestingly, at first, one is that the floorboards are immensely wide and immensely long. The whole structure was begun by taking a very large conifer and sawing it down the middle from end to end over a saw pit which lies beneath the library. And every aspect of the building uh, was uh, designed and prepared by Ernest Jimson. However, the building was set up, constructed by uh, two very remarkable people called Geoffrey Lupton, who came to the school in 1893 and went to study under Jimson, and uh, Edward Barnsley, who came to the school in 1900. And all this was supervised by Edward's father, Sidney Barnsley. What else would you like to know? Well, that's jolly interest. You just mentioned Edward Barnsley at the end there, mm-hmm. but he was very involved, wasn't he, with the design? Uh, he was, entirely. He uh, worked uh, with... Um, uh, 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 he knew Ernest Jimson. Of course, he was a, a boy when the, the place was designed, but when, in, in 1921, uh, he had now left school, aged about 20, and he joined Lupton, and he was responsible for building this very library. Um, then, eventually, he he took over from Lupton uh, up Bell Hill in Froxfield, and uh, that is where the Edward Barnsley furniture shop is now. Is the original library step ladder still around that was originally designed uh, at the time the building was built? It's a magnificent step ladder and it's shaped like the leaves of a book. No, how very clever you to know about that. Well, I did see a photograph of yes, it. Yes, yes. And it's beautiful. Isn't it? It's perfectly wonderful. Uh, the, it had a wheel at the bottom made by Edward Barnsley. It was, it was 12 inches in diameter, uh, and the whole thing stood up wonderfully. It was, it was rather an old-fashioned-looking ladder, but it was splendid. No, I can't think it could possibly have survived. No, I don't know where it is. It, it's a pity that it's, it's not been rebuilt in my opinion because it's so lovely and the way it's designed representing really a library pages coming out of a book mm-hmm. as i recall very yes. beautiful yes you're quite right it was a very fine piece and there are photographs several photographs very clear about it and i think you ought to set about encouraging people to recreate it because we're very good at it for some pupil here to redesign it that's, that's a very good idea Alistair, i have to say As you say, this building really, it's like a barn coated in brickwork because it would be, as I understand it, almost freestanding as a barn and doesn't rely on the external brickwork structurally whatsoever. Is that correct? Well, almost not. I mean, in fact, they had to be built at the same time. I did wonder at one point whether the the brick uh, skin was built at the same time as the timber frame. And, in fact, it had to be because it does lean slightly against it. But, in fact, it is mostly a freestanding uh, timber frame structure, yes. And is it in good order? It's in beautiful order because it's extremely well looked after. Um, yes, it is in lovely order. Uh, it was re-roofed, I remember, in about 1980. I remember watching it happen uh, at great expense because it's a grade one with star listed mm. building and so it can, uh, it can gain um, um, money and cash from the, um, from the state. Yes, I, I, I noticed it was a grade one listed building. 
Now, the students here, I understand there's over 4,000, I'll call them products, books and other things that they can look up, put their hands on in terms of education. Is that correct? No, I don't think it is correct. I think it must be about 30,000 volumes in the library. It's a very large library, as you can see, and every bay has got two shelves, uh, two stacks of shelves, and each stack has got one, two, three, four, five, divided into two notes, an enormous library, and with a very large collection of buildings. Of course, there are photographs of the library before there were any bookshelves at all, so it's taken time to build up to this, but now it's an extremely good library and very well managed. The students today, I suppose, with all the information and they can quickly acquire through the websites and media and so on. Would you say that fewer people or fewer students are using this library compared with years ago? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that, but then I wouldn't know. I haven't been working here for 25 years, uh, but I know certainly when I was, it was a very, very good place to come and work, and in fact, we are interrupting them by talking in a, rook, a room which is otherwise normally entirely silent, or, or should be. So I wouldn't have thought that it was uh, less used, and what is true to say is that certain changes have been made most recently by um, um, by Anna Kay, uh, who was responsible for restoring the room next door, uh, and they put in plugs so it's possible for people to use laptops for part of their research when they're making studies of various sorts in the library. The building itself has got arch braces and they're supporting the crown post trusses and they are massive, I have to say. The posts are probably in the order of about 450 millimetres square mm. and there are several of them that run down the complete aisle of the library mm. which makes it a, a magnificent structure to look at. Mm. What is the timber? Do you know that, Alistair? It's oak. Did, did you? Oak. Oak, it yeah. is oak. Mm. OK, fine. Alistair, I noticed that there are two stained windows at the top there. Can you tell us anything about that? Yes, I can. They're not often noticed by people who come, um, and as you can see, it's quite difficult to see them unless you get right up close in the gallery, but they were uh, donated by a, a parent who had some daughters in the school, and they're a collection of pieces of medieval glass thrown together. Uh, you can make up one or two marks in them, but it is just simply medieval glass set up in those windows. It's a fascinating building. I know that you have a book out that you've written about all the buildings in Beedales. Just yeah. tell us a little about that. Well, I can, uh, easily. It's recently been printed and uh, it is sold particularly uh, to support uh, scholars who otherwise would not manage to come to Beedales to give them 100% scholarships to come here and study. Uh, the book is called The Buildings of Beedales and the Genius of Jimson um, because Jimson, of course, is responsible for this prodigious building and this most spectacular pair of buildings, the Lupton Hall and the Memorial Library. Um, the book starts with pictures of Beedales as it was in 1893, not far from Haywards Heath, but it outgrew that building and then came here. Um, and uh, it's worth saying that um, John Badley, who founded the school by his own genius, that it seems to me likely that this village has got more buildings by nationally known architects than any village in England. However, that's by the way. Uh, eventually, the arts and crafts movement came via uh, Lupton by bringing the Lupton Hall next door and then uh, Jemson designing this library, and uh, this is where one would have supposed from about 1935 onwards that all buildings would have been arts and crafts buildings, but of course that fashion eventually changed. Uh, the book is about the history of the school through its buildings and uh, a matter of a, a paean of praise uh, to Ernest Jimson. I assume it's published and out there for people to buy? 
It is. It can be got from the school only. Yes, it isn't uh, for sale generally otherwise, but anybody can buy it, certainly. Alistair, it's been fascinating talking to you about not only this building, but one or two other buildings here at Beedales. Thank you very much for talking to me. Well, thank you, Ellen. I often think it's wonderful to sit in a building such as this library. And talking of wonderful, here is Tom Spate and Ward Thomas with Wonderful Wonder. The next station is Shine Radio. Hi, it's Richard Latto here bringing you the legendary Stereo Underground every week here at Petersfield Shine Radio. It's an indie and alternative heaven right here every Thursday night. Stereo Underground with Richard Latto is now arriving at Shine Radio. Thursday nights from 10. Mind the gap, please.